there's always been a bright side to living in downstate Illinois. Ameren, Illinois is making it even brighter with a little help from the sun. Right now, we're building a next generation solar facility to bring you cleaner energy for generations to come. It's good for the environment, your neighborhood, and everyone living in downstate Illinois. That's brighter thinking. That's energy at work. Learn how you can participate in solar programs at AmarinIllinois.com slash renewables. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Good Nightingale. I'm Mike Claiborne, and of course, we have the well-known columnist for the USA Today, Bob Nightingale, joins us, and we have a lot to cover today. Uh, first of all, Bob, let's talk a little bit about the teams that are still in it. I mean, we see some wild card races that are, eh, and then we see some other divisions that are already decided. So what's the hot subject now? What's the hot race that we have to pay attention to? You know, I think still the uh, American League uh, West but with the Houston and Texas both going uh, head and head. And I guess the uh, I guess the NL Central, too. I mean, uh, you know, the Brewers have a chance to pull away. They really have it. Uh, you know, the Cubs are still alive and the Reds are alive. And the Reds have got, you know, Hunter Bean coming back on Sunday and then uh, Lodello is coming back in about two weeks. So can't discount those guys either. Yeah, you know what? I think at this point you have to look at teams who have some ring experience at this, uh, teams that have been there before, teams that have maybe chased and maybe have been chased. And then when you look around, you say, well, none of these teams have that. Maybe the Brewers, you know, the Cardinals and the Brewers have had some good battles over the last few years. But, you know, when you look at the big picture, this is all uncharted water for most of these teams. No, no, great point. I mean, that's why I like Houston over the Rangers for the, for that reason. Uh, I like Tampa over Baltimore for the same reason, too, until the Wander Franco got, uh, you know, disciplined, and who knows if he'll play again this year, uh, just because those Royals guys had never been, been involved in this. But you're right, a lot of uh, a lot of newcomers. You know, I saw the stat, too. Five or six of the uh, playoff teams right now are in the bottom third of, of payroll. And that's going to be an interesting debate in the offseason because now teams know and ownership knows that, you know what, if we know what we're doing from a scouting and development standpoint and, we're, and if we're patient, we can be competitive a lot sooner for a lot less. And that may not go over well with the Players Association and some of the other teams, but you're going to have some other owners start to take a longer, harder look, I think, at how they develop their own players. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you look at a, uh, you know, what's going on with the top three payrolls, all those guys are sitting home, you know, uh, you know, Yankees, Mets, you know, Padres, uh, look at the free agent market this past winter, you know, Trey Turner, you know, it's been, you know, $300 million and he struggled, you know, Radon's been hurt, uh, Correa, $200 million. He's, you know, he's had his worst season on and on, you know, and they, uh, you know, that, that sort of thing. But, yeah, I think I think team owners are going to tell their general managers or front office, hey, if these teams are in the in the uh, in the playoffs with a uh, $150 million or less payroll, why can't we do that? Yeah, and you know what? I, I think it starts, though, at the lower level. I think the teams have to start looking at how they develop players in, in their minor leagues and maybe have more guys who actually play the game. To come in, and if, if you can understand analytics and be a former player, I think it really enhances your stock uh, as far as how you teach players at the A level, not the triple A level. I think you have to bring guys in and teach these kids everything from how to dress, how to eat, how to play, how to conduct themselves in public, how to take care of their bodies, you know, when they're not on the field. I think that has to start at the very early stages of a player's career. No, you're absolutely right. I remember, you know, those uh, Minnesota Twins teams and the uh, – Early 2000s, you know, from uh, Torrey Hunter, Latroy Hawkins, A.J. Brzezinski, all those young, you know, McAvich, those guys. 
you know, they came up with the system together. And I remember uh, Tory Hunter and old Troy Hawkins said there was a uh, veteran scout named Larry Corrigan. He taught him just how to or, uh, organize your locker, you know, yeah. as far as being organized, you know, <laughs> going way back to that. So you're absolutely right. You know, these, a lot of these guys get rushed up and have no idea of fundamentals or anything else but to do. They don't know the game. Yeah, and you know what? It's hard to learn the game at this level, at the major league level. We're watching a young man in St. Louis and Jordan Walker who's having to learn how to be a big leaguer at 21 years old with, you know, really not a lot of minor league experience. Now, he's been able to weather the storm, but I'm sure at some point, you know, it, you would like to have kept him around where he could have developed a little bit more at another level. But you know what? He had an incredible spring. He's hit everywhere he's ever been. And, but when you get to the big league level, man, there's a whole lot of other things that come with just being able to hit. And he's learning that on on a on a firsthand basis. Yeah, there's so much to learn, and uh, you know, it comes at at you so fast. You know, even a uh, guy like Corbin Carroll of Arizona, you know, he was an MVP conversation. You know, he should should still be unanimous rookie of the year, but he's had a wall since the All Star break. And there's just a lot of things you got to uh, learn how to be professional and learn how to uh, you know train your body right too. You know, we have a series here in St. Louis this weekend the Mets and the Cardinals, uh, two teams. One team is one game ahead of them in the standings. And, oh, by the way, they spent $154 million more than the Cardinals. Man, you know, when you look at this season, there are so many teams, as you touched on earlier, they have to take a long, hard look at what they're doing. And we're going to see two teams face each other this weekend. And that this is going to be the battle of futility, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, particularly the Mets, like you said. I mean, you know, the highest payroll in baseball history. Uh, you know, they were – you know, built to win the World Series, you know, grab Scherzer, grab Berlander. You know, they spent $350, million, and then at the uh, trade deadline, they paid about $350 million for them to go away. <laughs> it's <laughs> incredible. It is it's incredible. And, and you know, I, I think that we're going to see – they're going to draw the line. They may go in the back room and draw the line, but there's going to be something that's going to be done about how teams have just gone spin crazy uh, because it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work as much as you would think it does. Hey, with that said, um, you mentioned free agency earlier. This isn't what I would call an ideal free agent market. When you look at some of the names that are out there, somebody's going to get overpaid, but I think you're going to see a handful of guys that might get paid early, and I think everybody else, they may wait for a while to see if they can sweat these guys out. They may. You know, I was making a prediction, uh, like a Cody Ballinger, who's had a bounce-back year, and everybody's talking about how much money he's going to make. I guarantee he'll be sitting there in spring training, or at least in February, without a job because you'll have a huge high price tag on them. And let's see if somebody, uh, you know, overpays, something like that. Uh, but you're right. And there's a lot, lot of, there's a lot of decent pitching out there. I'll be fascinated to see what happens to Marcus Stroman. Remember, hey, yeah. Marcus Stroman says he's going to opt out. You know, now he's hurt. Who knows if he's going to come back the rest of the year. You're going to, you know, you're going to walk away from $21 million. It's a big gamble. No, I, I agree with you. And, and, you know, he's got a cartilage issue. And as a pitcher with a cartilage issue, that's something that you just don't bounce back from. And that's going to be something they're going to have to pay close attention to. You know, you mentioned another team uh, earlier, the Tampa Rays, who maybe have been the best team for the first half of the season, maybe going into August. But they've got the Franco issue. They've got McCl- McClanahan's done for the year. Glass now, they don't know when he's going to come back, but they think it's going to be this year. Are they in trouble at this point? Because, you know, they, they, they're missing some key pieces. Yeah, they're in big-time trouble. I mean, they're going to make the playoffs, obviously. But, you know, you had the best record in baseball there for the first two months, and they've only been a 500 team ever since. Uh, you know, you lose a lot of luster. When you lose McClanahan, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. 
if he didn't get hurt, he would have started the second straight All-Star game. Uh, something funny is going on in Tampa. When you uh, saw the chart the other day, since 2020, they've had about 15 guys undergo Tommy John surgery. You know, I think they're a classic example, like, hey, learn to pitch. Don't just try to throw as hard as you can because those guys are breaking down. Yeah, you know, that's a good point you make. And uh, there's a pattern there. And, I mean, we, we pat them on the head for being able to develop players. But, man, that next time around, they, they find a lot of guys getting hurt, and then they start moving players. And it, that's that's an interesting organization to pay attention to. And where they go from here, who knows. But uh, certainly this offseason, they're going to have to reevaluate some things. And you know what? i got to be honest with you. I think there will be a number of teams that will reevaluate their performance department and how we've seen so many injuries take place to so many people. Uh, and some of these have been long-term injuries, but some of them have been very unique. So I, I think you're going to see how teams reevaluate that and maybe have a different training regimen coming up in the next year. Yeah, a lot of it, too, is just learn how to pitch, learn how to get out of trouble in the minor leagues and the, uh, and, uh, and develop different pitchers, uh, pitches. I remember John Smoltz a few years ago says, what's the most unbreakable record in baseball history? You know, I threw a couple of the normal ones out. He goes, no, Greg Maddox, he threw 27 complete games in the minor leagues. He goes, that'll yeah. never happen again. You know, Ever. These, these guys don't know how to pitch. You know, I was talking to Brian Price, you know, former pitching coach. He goes, you know what, I feel like putting a sign in every uh, clubhouse wall that says nobody cares how hard you throw a ball for. No, I agree. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good one to use. You know, and, and here's the other thing. You know, we, we talk about expansion down the road. We don't have enough pitchers to go around now. So how can how can Major League Baseball even fathom the thought that they can find more pitchers to to house two more teams? I just don't see it because there's not enough as we speak. No, there really isn't. I mean, obviously there's so much money involved, so it's going to happen. But uh, I remember talking to Ben Scully, uh, you know, right before he retired, and that was his big fear. You're talking about ten years ago now uh, about expansion. He goes, "Where are they going to get the pitchers from?" And I think it's a worse epidemic now than ever. Uh, but you're right. If, if you want to keep these games, you know, quick like they like they are this year, you uh, do expansion. You're going to see over three hour games once again. Do you think there should be some sort of limit as far as how a pitcher ascends in the minors where he's got to be able to do certain things in order to be able to be promoted compared to just rushing a guy? Because we see a lot of guys get rushed and we we think we we see a 22 or 23 year old phenom. At least that's what we think they are. And then when they fall on their face and, you know, either with injury or just lack of performance, uh, we look around and say, what a bust. So my question is, is there a way that you can restrict guys in their growth as far as making sure they get enough innings in the minors and what they do with them? That's up to them. But what they do in the minors, I think there should be an innings limit on how many innings you pitch before you can get to the big leagues. That's what they should do. You know, do, do it with hitters. Hey, you want so many, uh, you know, thousand player parents or something like that in the minors. You know, they should do that with, with pitchers. You'll learn to pitch. And the trouble is, too, you know, these guys don't know how to pitch out of trouble. You know, the fourth yeah. inning or fifth inning, the minor leagues are looking around and waiting for their pitching coach to come out or the manager to pull them. It's like, hey, if you, know, if you don't learn how to pitch out of trouble in the minor leagues, you're not going to learn how to do it in the major leagues. Um, you know, and, and you know, if you're wild in minors, you stay in the minors. You better yeah, be able exactly. to throw strikes, and these guys can't. Well, it's something that I think will be a heavy debate upcoming uh, because I think the way they're doing it now isn't working. 
And uh, we're, we're paying a lot of money to a lot of players who probably had they stuck around a little longer in the minors and really learned how to develop, uh, they would be a better value than what they are now. So we'll see what happens. All right, you are on the road this week. Chicago, uh, that's a team that everybody's still kind of wondering about. But now that they've lost Strowman, uh, they may be in big trouble. But uh, they're a team, when you watch them, they swing the bat just good enough to make you say, okay, they could be dangerous. They pitch just good enough to say, okay, they could be worthy. And then you remind them yourself they're the Chicago Cubs and something's going to go wrong. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they should have got swept by the White Sox. Um, but, yeah, maybe Stroman was the thing that, that went wrong with them. But you're right. I mean, they say, yes, the price season for them. They should be no more uh, better than a 500 team. But the division's down. The league is down. So, you know, they're, they're, they're excited just because they, uh, they're in the race when really they shouldn't be. You know, if they're in the American League, they'd, they'd be out of it. So, you know, the re- at least it shows that the, re- the rebuild is working, unlike in the other side of town where the White Sox rebuild lasted about a year and a half. Now they're going to start all over again. <laughs> yeah, that's a disaster in, in waiting. Hey, uh, the Cardinals, let's talk about them for a hot second before we get out. John Mozeliak has indicated that, yeah, pitching is going to be their need. They're going to try and find three pitchers in the offseason. My question is, and we talked about the the lack of free agents out there as far as quality guys, uh, where are you going to get them from? Where, where can you find three quality starters in Major League Baseball in the offseason? Yeah, you know, the, uh, when you look at it, you know, the two guys that come top of my head is the, uh, you know, uh, Leo Urias of the Dodgers. He's having yeah. a down year, but a very young guy and a, uh, you know, very good pitcher. Wow. You know, looking at a uh, a Blake Snell from San Diego, I don't think he'd be good in a you know big city, but I think he'd be perfect in a place like St. Louis. See, my only issue with Snell is he's just a five, maybe six inning pitcher. I mean, he has good stuff, but I'm looking for a guy who can get me to the seventh inning every night he goes out there, at least the seventh inning. And I don't know if that guy's out there, but we need an innings eater who's a quality pitcher, not just a guy who just takes up innings in the rotation. Yeah, you know, you probably have to look at a guy and you get him, you know, obviously a lot cheaper. Look at a guy like Lance Lynn. I mean, same guy that had the second highest ERA in baseball. He goes to Dodgers. He's 3-0 and with a 2 ERA. So, you know, someone like that, I'm not saying he's a frontline starter. But, you know, there's no reason why he can't, you know, give you a 4 ERA or, or three and a half and still eat up innings at the same time yeah. without costing you a lot of money. And, you know, he's a rusty nail. He's a guy that, that, that has no fear, and maybe he helps some of these young pitchers learn how to pitch as well. I, I think that one of the things this game is lacking are former players or experienced players who can show young guys how this game could be played better. Um, you know, I'm not one of those that says back in the old days, but I do think that you, if you have some veterans on your team, that makes it, it, makes it a little bit easier for players to be able to grow because they're hearing from people who play with them, not manage or coach them. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look at a uh, Tampa winning got Zach Eflin. He's been great for those, yeah. for those guys. He should have been the all-star team and Nate Valdi for Texas. You know, same thing. Just veteran guys know how to pitch and done very, you know, done very well. Uh, and those are the type of guys you, know, you get them pretty cheap. You know, you get them for, uh, you know, I think Eflin was like, you know, $37 million or $40 million over three years and, uh, you know, two-year deal uh, in, in Texas. So, uh, yeah, it's not, it doesn't, it's not costing you like a DeGrom contract. All right, Bob Nightingale, uh, we are done for the day. Uh, should be some interesting baseball, certainly in Chicago and certainly in St. Louis. And uh, I think this weekend we're going to see some teams really try and put some distance between themselves and some of the people that are chasing them. So it should be a fun weekend. 
We'll have a lot to cover next week for sure. So we thank you for your time. All right. My pleasure. Take care, man. All right. He's Bob Nightingale. I'm Mike Claiborne. This has been another edition of Good Nightingale on ClavesOnline.com. The legends of golf return to St. Louis in 2023. You won't want to miss one of the strongest fields in golf. Ernie Els, Steve Stricker, Bernard Langer, John Daly, and many more when they compete for the 2023 Ascension Charity Classic title, September 5th through the 10th at historic Norwood Hills Country Club. All proceeds benefit area charities. Together, we were able to donate over $1 million to those most in need last year. Visit ascensioncharityclassic.com.